I want to talk to you about sweat block. Uh, I have to tell you, I, I use sweat block every day, but I, I don't really need it here. It's only 91, but 0% humidity. And everybody's like, it is so hot. And I'm like, really? Go to Dallas, Texas. Oh, my gosh. And the problem with humidity is you immediately just start sweating. Everything is liquid on you the minute you step outside. Let me tell you, sweat block, you will not have to worry about sweating through your your uh, shirt or anything like that. You'll have so much more confidence. It, they keep you sweat free for days. Now, these are the wipes. They also have the stick and that use that works like, you know, regular, but it's really, really effective. However, the sweat wipes, you wipe under each arm and you can go for days without deodorant uh, or antiperspirant. It is really a completely different kind of thing for antiperspirant and uh, deodorant. Improve your confidence now. Get a discount. Use the promo code Beck at sweatblock.com. You'll save 20%. Sweatblock.com if you use the promo code Beck. Also available at Amazon. Sweatblock.com. Welcome to the Glenn Beck program. Today's going to be a big Fed meeting. They're probably going to raise the interest rates again. This is not truly to fight inflation. They cannot fight inflation until they stop financing the alcoholism of spending in Washington, D.C. But it will affect your life. We'll talk about that coming up in just a second. And I have been noticing this, uh, you know, Malthusian anti-human kind of thing that is happening all over the country, especially in media. They are really starting to kind of spook, uh, I think, anybody who's paying attention. It's almost as if District 12 is coming. For the entire United States. They are anti-human, anti-growth. It's why in California they're now struggling with their their rolling blackouts, struggling with their power grid, and the progressives have gone after even more here this week. Why? How do you expect people to live? Maybe they don't. Degrowth, Carol Roth in 60 seconds. On 9-11, almost 3,000 people died. And I remember thinking what a blessing it was that only 3,000 people were in those buildings that day. It was a miracle. It was one of our darkest days. And a generation later, one generation, you hardly even know it happened. 
it is it's phenomenal how this has almost just been erased tunnel to towers they started by saying we're not going to forget all of the police officers and the firemen and then our soldiers overseas if they're injured or killed we're going to do everything we can to help them but now they also have decided to remind people the tunnel to towers 9-11 institute aims to change uh our kids by actually teaching them educating from kindergarten age all the way up to 12th grade about what happened on 9-11 their non-fiction first person accounts that have not been reimagined are available both as videos and in the discovering heroes book series they're deeply moving amazing accounts and your kids will never ever forget them never forget we have to educate our future generations let's help our nation honor its vow donate 11 dollars a month to tunnel to towers at t2t.org that's tunnel to towers at t2t.org so carol roth is a good friend uh, and a good friend of the program she is the author of the new best-selling book you will own nothing which is uh, really right in the same pocket as my book, Dark Future. They are often purchased together um, because they're good companion pieces. I wanted to get her on for a couple of reasons. First, Carol, can you tell me what to expect from the Fed today quickly? Yeah, so um, it's pretty baked into the market that the Fed is going to raise interest rates another 25 basis points at the quarter of a percent. That would put us in the five and a quarter to five and a half percent range on their target rate, which is basically a rate that is used to set all different kinds of of interest rates throughout the economy. And basically, the Fed is struggling to contain the inflation that they caused. They're the arsonists to burn down your house. And now they're standing with a water bottle and want to try to to put it out without that fire. Um, and I think that the big takeaway for everybody here is that these individuals in concert with the government, these have been the biggest enablers of a huge transfer of wealth from Main Street to Wall Street. And at the end of the day, that's all they really care about. So Jerome Powell will come out and he'll say how he's standing in service of the average American in the middle class. That's complete baloney. He and his cronies have helped support Wall Street. They have helped the government expand uh, their purview and and continue to spend. And they're really trying hard to uh, do everything they can to get back to that posture. And so this may be another step in their plan. I will tell you that it is, I mean, it's hard to miss that the only ones this is really going to hurt is the average American. Because... You're not going to stop inflation if you keep spending in Washington. You're just not. It's too much. No, no, that's that's the frustrating point. What what the Fed raising rates is supposed to do is it's supposed to send a signal throughout the economy to stop spending on the corporate side. You know, we had 15 years of cheap in some cases, free, easy money. So that's going to take a while to work itself through on the consumer side. The same thing. So it's taking longer than they expect to work it through. On the government side, it's supposed to just be that neon sign like, okay, now it's really expensive to finance your deficits. You need to slow spending. The Biden administration does not care and you have ignored the sign as going full speed towards the end of that fiscal cliff. 
you know what people don't understand is that if you don't get inflation under control, people will be like, well, we have a target of 2% inflation. Right now, we ought to target a 3% inflation over the next 10 years. That seems like that's not that big of a deal. But 3% inflation means in 10 years, the loss of uh, about 34 percent 34 cents on every dollar you have so if you're saving for your retirement if the fed says we're going to take three uh, percent inflation we think that's reasonable we all go oh yeah that's not so bad that's 35 cents on every dollar you've saved for retirement it's obscene yeah, it's a, a huge debasement of the currency, which means that reduces your purchasing power. And if your wages don't keep pace with that inflation, or if you're somebody who is a retiree or not in the workforce, this is just the slow eating away of the middle class. And in compounding works for something like inflation the same way it does for investments. You know, it, it seems like it's, it's a small gain, but when you add that up and you compound it over time, it's incredibly meaningful. And that's really, I think, what's going to happen here. I think the reality of the fiscal situation of the United States the shifts in the global economy um, and just yep. poor financial management is going to create this this eating away, slow eating away of the middle class until it doesn't exist anymore. So this is a, something we need to stay on and we need to turn it around. I have to tell you, I was um, with a bunch of people from Idaho. I'm up in Idaho at my ranch and um, uh, they were talking about the health of the state. Zero debt. Their emergency wow. funds are full, and they have re- got given uh, uh, tax refunds uh, back, I think, the second year in a row in, in Idaho. I don't know of a state that is that healthy. That's fantastic. Fantastic. Um, Carol, let me switch topics with you here for a second. I've been noticing, and it's almost with glee, and I've, I noticed this starting way back with the Occupy Wall Street thing. It is really institutionalized. Both of our books talk about this with um, uh, the World Economic Forum. It is a Malthusian, almost anti-human kind of, of uh, program and philosophy. All of it is where a few people say, I'm God. And I can do X, Y, and Z, and I'll make all the decisions. And you know what? There's too many people. And I saw this uh, report on CNN. Could we roll this uh, report underneath here? And this is from CNN. And there, I am legend, apocalypse now. Listen. Those I have seen, imagining what Earth would look like if humans vanished. But this photographer's work is steeped in reality, capturing what the world really does look like without people. Have a look at this. Roman Veillon has spent years okay. photographing so they're, they're talking about what the world looks like if there are no people involved. And there are people that are actually for this idea and for the idea of degrowth. You can't degrow without killing people. Can you? 
this this is crazy. And anytime you get, you know, a, a movement like this, I like to say, you first, you go first, and then we'll see how that works out. And, and then we'll, uh, we'll consider it. <laughs> uh, this is basically the degrowth idea is the resurgence of something that started in the 1970s. It's being targeted heavily at young people. And if you just think about the concept of degrowth, it's, it, it, Basically, growth means prosperity, expansion, progress, improvement, advancement. Degrowth is the opposite. It's regression. It's contraction. It's basically the the demon spawn of you will own nothing in a dark future. I mean, that's basically what it is. So they're trying to undo all of the good things that have been done. I read a, a piece on this, Glenn, and they said that you know it, we're not talking about a recession. It means a phase of planned and equitable economic contraction in the richest nations. So this is something that they want to come yep. after the wealthy countries, not not just the and, and it's planned. You know, this isn't just oh, it just kind of happens, but focus and and, uh, mm-hmm. and planned, and then through forms of direct or participatory democracy, so forms of it, whatever form they want, they would organize the economies. So again, central planning, not actual democracy, to ensure that everyone's basic needs are met. So, you know, the government who doesn't produce anything is going to make sure your needs are met and then redirect our energies away from economic expansion. And then, so this is the, that's the you will own nothing part. So you'll be happy part is we would tend to reduce our working hours in the formal economy in exchange for more home production and leisure. We would have less income, but more freedom. Thus, in our simplicity, we would be rich. <laughs> and, that is and this crazy. is crazy. It is crazy, I'm, and this is this is what they're putting out and bringing in the young people who feel desperate under the guise of this is better for the climate, this is better for the environment, and the people who feel like they can't have the American dream. So what do we do to bring down everybody to the lowest common denominator? Everybody else. Um, you know, I'm, I'm um, looking at a website called beyondgrowth2023.eu, and it says the pathway towards sustainable prosperity in the eu and it's a big meeting that is happening let's get this discussion going and let's organize collectively um this is this is nothing uh other than it's not prosperity it is equal misery if if you know everybody who knows anything about business or even human growth if you are not growing if you are not learning constantly you're regressing you don't stay static. You regress. Things fall apart. You, you, you don't do this without hurting a lot of human beings. Yeah, it's, it's a movement backwards. Degrowth, when I think of D, the undoing, uh, deflation, depopulation. They, they call it swapping uh, profit for well-being. But if you think about what has created well-being, it has been a movement towards free enterprise. It has been that growth. It's been the democratization of ownership, um, you know, where people have that opportunity to participate in the economy and lift themselves and their families up. And if you look at the the quote unquote richest nations, the ones that they seem to hate, um, you know, those are the ones that, you know, are, are actually have actually gotten the technology and, and harnessed the opportunity to create 
cleaner technologies. It's the emerging nations Correct. that haven't gone through that renaissance yet. But that's not what they say. There, there's a gentleman who is a professor, and, and uh, anytime I, I see a, a nutty idea, I love to see if he's part of the WEF, and so of course he is. Yeah. And he went on this rant and basically said, that climate change is being driven primarily by the consumption of the global north. So it's incumbent on rich countries to shrink their economy. And then when somebody challenged him and said, but yeah, isn't it these, these you know, emerging economies that are really creating the issue and says, no, 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 it has nothing to do with poor countries. Quote, the real problem is that there are too many rich people. <laughs> and so this is what it is. Oh this gosh. is the envy politics this is people have too many opportunities for freedom. We cannot control them. So we're going to use this climate catastrophization and this, you know, fake emergency as a way to get young people to buy in. And of course, if you capture the young people, right, and you tell them not not to get married, not to not to grow, not to correct, work correct. Hard, not to have kids, that's a, a, a very, you know, easy and evil way for them to fulfill their agenda. All right, back in just a second with more with uh, Carol Roth. But I, I, you know, I find this fascinating that 34% of our population now says they're homosexual, now says that they uh, are in the wrong uh, gender. And we're effectively sterilizing all of these kids. And the, the problem is, is that the feeling of the next generation and this generation that's coming up right now they actually, I think, have valid feelings, but they don't understand the agenda of what's really going on. We'll give you more here in just a second. First, uh, our sponsor this half hour is Relief Factor. Wayne wasn't just any athlete. He was a rugby player for 20 years. And the natural result of that was Wayne finding himself dealing with constant pain in his lower back and his feet. It's hard to sit on the sidelines and just, you know, watch your wife and grandkids play knowing that you can't participate, especially if you were really an athlete. This is where Wayne found relief factor. He said within three days of taking it, his back pain was gone. A few more days, the foot pain was gone as well. Wayne learned what millions of other people have learned, including me, that it is possible to get your life back. It works maybe about 70% of the time. That we know that 70% of the people who take it and try it for three weeks continue to order more month after month. So it doesn't work for everybody, but that's why they're giving you a three-week trial period. And they say if it's not working within three weeks, it's probably not going to work for you. Just try it. The trial pack now, 1995, 1-800-THE-NUMBER-4-RELIEF, 800-4-RELIEF, or relieffactor.com. Feel the difference. 10 seconds, station ID. So, Carol, the real problem here is why they're targeting the youth is because I think the youth do understand um, that we have swung too far to stuff and labels and everything else. And there is a pull, I think, driven by the youth. But I feel it of of simplifying your life. It's why I live in a farming community simplifying your life it's not about stuff it's not about consumption but they have taken that natural and good feeling 
and they are manipulating that to say you'll only be happy when you don't own anything no 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 the government will never make me happy i can choose to change my life and people are choosing automatically to change their life uh but the government is using this to as a way to control and i think depopulate yeah i mean this is a core thesis of uh, my book you will own nothing if you look at the cover art it says you will own and then we crossed out all of these assets you know the, the house and the stocks but the last thing is your life and you know that can have a lot of different focuses but it's very different for you to approach your life and decide which are the things that you want to have and how you want to, to spend your time. And I'm, as you know, a huge advocate of not spending money, but investing. There's a difference if you, if you take money and you spend it and you consume it and then you don't have anything versus you put it to work for you and you grow it and then you have the opportunity to have more assets and more freedom and, and be able to pick and choose what you have. Degrowth, on the other hand, it, it basically calls for you know them choosing what you can have in fact you know they say things like uh, one of the articles is they want to get you know less socially necessary productions <laughs> production when they call that suvs weapons the things we use to defend our rights beef um you know food uh private transportation advertising Correct. and consumer tech and they want to expand socially important sectors like healthcare and education oh and decommodify goods like housing. So all of those key assets that you have in there that not only grow your wealth, but protect you, uh, you know, sustain you, those are things that, that some small group of people wants to be in charge of design, deciding that central planning uh, perspective. And they are preying on this, this feeling of desperation from, from the young, people who see you know, the, the Fed and the government having transferred money from Main Street to Wall Street, you know, all Correct. of these assets and they're right. inflated in value. Yeah, and the people who went mm-hmm. to college being saddled with debt. And so they feel despondent. And so, of course, it's much yep. easier for them to say, well, this is a bad thing if they don't feel like they have that opportunity to participate in it. So they're extremely vulnerable to this ridiculous cult that at the end of the day doesn't want them to not only be happy or free, but really doesn't want them to exist. And throughout history, the people who didn't Quickly. have property yeah, did not did not have the opportunity yeah. to exist. You're right. Carol, uh, thank you so much. Carol Roth, the author of You Will Own Nothing, a great book. Uh, great companion with Dark Future. Get them wherever your books are sold. You Will Own Nothing by Carol Roth and Dark Future, my latest book. The Glenn Beck Program. Michael lives in uh, Monroe, Georgia. He's got a German Shepherd puppy named Harley. Harley wasn't too crazy about her kibble food, and she would eat it, but without any enthusiasm at all. And if you've ever had a seven-week-old puppy, you know that enthusiasm is almost all they are. Um, Michael decided to give Rough Greens a try after hearing about it on the program. And guess what? Harley's appetite and enthusiasm went through the roof. This really does change the activity level of your dog. Um, Just try it. I mean, they're so convinced that they'll give you a free trial pack uh, because they know, you know, 
odds are very, very high that your your dog will love it and you'll see a difference in your dog. So get your first bag of Rough Greens. It's not a dog food. What it is, is it's filled with vitamins, minerals, probiotics, antioxidants, and you sprinkle it on the dog's food. Will you call 833-GLENN-33? Get your first trial bag for free, 833-GLEN-33. It's free. You pay for shipping. Roughgreens.com slash back 833-GLEN-33. Check out my show, Pack Ray Unleashed, every weekday from 7 to 9 Eastern, live, 6 to 8 Central, or anytime and anywhere you get your podcast. Welcome to the Glenn Beck program. We are so glad that you've tuned in. Uh, one of my favorite people uh, is Michael Knowles. I just love this guy. He's really smart, very, very effective, uh, and uh, I think carries the banner uh, very, very well uh, every day. Podcaster from The Daily Wire, Michael Knowles. Welcome, Michael. How are you? Glenn, so wonderful to be with you as always. Thank you for having me. Now, you're in Hungary, right? I'm in Hungary now, and oddly enough, I'm, I'm in Hungary for a book tour, which I never expected to do. <laughs> you're right. I mean, but you wrote a very, very, uh, you know, I've written several, but one very big bestseller, Reasons to Vote for Democrats. And I understand that it is now a Hungarian translation, Yes, I will admit that it, it had been an aspiration of mine as an author that one of my books with sure. words would, would make it into a, a foreign translation. But I'm perfectly happy <laughs> right. that it was my book without yeah. any words that has received the Hungarian translation. And that title, Glenn, just in case any of your listeners are walking around Budapest and want to pick up a copy, is, of course, Miert is Zunk Liber Nyakokra. So uh, your your listeners can write that down yeah. and uh, hurry out and pick up a copy. Yeah. yeah, that just flows right off the tongue, just flows right. Now it is uh, like 300 pages that are completely blank. Have you thought about uh, Mandarin and other languages? Well, I'm pleased that it's now six years after I published what I'm sure will be my magnum opus. Wow. I'm pleased that interest yes. remains strong, not only in America, but around the world. And, and I think that since the message has resonated, not only in our own country, but throughout the West, soon enough, I think it will spread to the Far East, perhaps uh, the Southeast in India, uh, maybe to Africa and Latin America as wow. well. Uh, wow. I think geopolitics is moving wow. quickly. And that's really good that it's in Latin America, too, because Latin is a dying language, and uh, <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be nice to have that. So, um, uh, Michael, you are in uh, Czechoslovakia. Viktor Orban is a fascinating guy, uh, in, in my opinion. I, I don't know enough about him to make a judgment call, but some people say that he is a dictator, some, you know, are fascist. Uh, others are saying, no, he is the best example of freedom uh, in, in Europe. Where do you stand on, on him and what's happening in Czechoslovakia or I mean Hungary? 
All I can tell you, Glenn, is the same people who call Orban a fascist are the ones who call me and you and anybody to the right of Barack Obama a fascist. Uh, You know, I'm no expert on Hungary. I've been here now a sum total of 48 hours, but I have followed the country pretty, pretty closely over the last few years. I'll tell you, Budapest is wonderful. Uh, There are no, you know, uh, military troops parading the streets, locking us all up. It's a wonderful example of true freedom, which is not the freedom of San Francisco, where you have the freedom to be a druggie and a criminal and break into cars and turn the place into a hellhole. But it's the freedom of what was once Christian civilization, the freedom to walk down the street in relative safety, the freedom to go do business and to work, the freedom to practice your faith without being uh, bullied by the government, as has unfortunately been the case in other parts of the West, the freedom even to have a family and to have your traditions. You know, what Orban has done is in 2014, he came out and he said, we're not a liberal democracy like some of you guys say you are. We're an illiberal democracy. We're an older kind of democracy. We're in 2019. He came out and said, we're a Christian democracy. You know, that that's what the West mm-hmm. was until very, very recently. And, and so they're they're going to prioritize things like their traditions, their churches, their their rituals, and most importantly, their families. Hungary is the one country in the West that has started to reverse demographic decline, this collapse in the family. And they've done so very actively, very intentionally. Uh, Orban refers to himself as the last man in Europe. And he's made this point. He had a wonderful speech in Romania just yesterday, which is that he said that uh, Europe is going to be saved by Christianity, by the faith that made her, or Europe's not going to be saved at all. And on that point, I, I fail to see a single wrong thing that the man has said. Yeah, um, you know, and, and Europe is different than America. I mean, it used to be. Uh, I hope we are still, uh, I hope we can get back on the path. Um, but, you know, Europe does not have uh, the Bill of Rights or uh, the understanding of liberty that we have. Uh, their right and left in their book is fascist and communism. And so they try to moderate in between and try to get into the into the middle there where you, there you have maximum freedom for them. Um, we're uh, a different kind of republic and we always have been. What I'm concerned about now, Michael, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this is, you know, when you talk about clean streets, they're safe, uh, you know, uh, you can. You can live your life and be safe and the craziness stops. That is that can be promised by people here in America that do not believe in the Bill of Rights. The way to stop all crime is just to start cracking down. And I think that's what the left wants to do. They've caused all this uh, 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 chaos so they can crack down on it. That is a spooky thing because people can say, we're going to solve this problem, and it's not through freedom. That's a, a great point, Glenn. The, the term that you sometimes hear to describe the left is anarcho-tyranny. First, you encourage the anarchy, the looting, the rioting. You saw it during the George Floyd riots. And then the, the anarchy serves a purpose because it leads to the crackdown. And so that, that's always a fear. And it's, it's a fear if it, it's, it's done in the name of the left, or it's a fear if it's done in the name of the right. And you, you have a good point, which is that 
in America, we put so much emphasis on our Constitution and our Bill of Rights as written documents. And in Europe, that's not always the case. Often what Europe looks to is a lowercase c kind of a constitution because they have a much longer history and they develop differently than than our nation did. And so the, the question for Europe and perhaps for us to some degree as well is what traditions are we going to return to? You know, the the dalliances in Europe with fascism in the 20th century were they were a kind of a traditionalist movement, but it was a traditionalist movement that turned away from the church, that turned away from the faith, that 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 in many ways was kind of modernist. In many ways, fascism had aspects of leftism to it or communism or. Oh, yeah. And and so what's being offered here is a a little bit of a different option, which is we're, we're going to return to to the faith that, that built our country. And, you know, there I see a lot of similarities with the U.S. because, as you know better than anybody, the, the founding fathers were echoing the, the words of the earlier statesmen of America who said that ours was to be a model of Christian charity, a shining city on a hill, a, a, you know, a country built for a moral and religious people unfit to the government of any other kind. There, I, I think, and I hope, we can see uh, a similarity between the U.S., and Europe before both of our respective places uh, go go spinning off the rails. What do you think is happening in America? Uh, are we, you know, I think we've been waking up for a while, but I sense there's a, a new corner about to be turned um, with the American people. I was thinking about this the last couple of days where Churchill said, don't worry, the Americans, they're always slow, but they get it. And once they get it, they stand up. And I I feel as though there is a corner coming where uh, for the real traditional Democrat, whatever is left outside of Washington, D.C., the independent and the Republican, I just sense a time coming where it's like enough. I'm, I'm, I'm just done. And I'm I'm just not going to tolerate it anymore. You're dismissed. You're a joke (laughs) and not going to do it anymore. Do you sense that we're on that road or not? Pardon me? Certainly. It's it's absolutely happening. And and you see it in a lot of different places. You see it in RFK Jr. polling at 19 percent in the Democratic Party. (laughs) This is this is representative, not just people who question the covid regime but of people who long for those old Kennedy Democrats and who think that the, the current crop have, have really gone crazy. Uh, you, you see this in uh, that Gallup poll that just came out. It showed a shocking number to many people. It showed a seven point drop in just one year for public support of any same sex sexual relations, not a redefinition of marriage, not transgenderism, same-sex relations. And regardless of what one thinks about homosexuality or, or some aspect of the sexual revolution, what I think is really important about that number is it shows you that people are not merely reacting to the most extreme of the extreme, go into the kindergartens and teach kids transgenderism or whatever. They're recognizing that, that ideas have consequences. And so when when you have bad consequences all around you, you can begin to look in the other direction and say, okay, well, what ideas did that come from? And, and it is not just far right wing Republicans who are reacting to this. It's not just far right wing parents who are showing up to their school board meetings and saying none of the nonsense in the yeah. classroom. It's not, 
this is a much broader movement. And so the only question for us now going into 2024 is if you've got a broad consensus among the people that, that this wacky leftism has gone too far, do the people still possess enough political power to overcome an entrenched and corrupt yeah. establishment that's going to try to take their power? Yeah, because that is the that's the only thing that uh, keeps me up at night is not how the American people are going to move. But do is it even possible to have a real honest election anymore? Um, because the, the Democrats just don't seem to be worried about anything. Poll numbers going down. Everything is so unpopular. And yet they're just like, no, it's great. We're going to do even more. Why would you do that coming up with an election year? It's a big fear, and I know that we're not allowed to question the most perfect election that was ever conducted in the history of democracy going back to Pericles, but but what's ironic about the left trying to shut down any discussion of some of the irregularities in 2020 is that they themselves brought up the risk of fraud just 10 or so years ago. Barack Obama is on record as raising serious doubts about widespread mail-in ballots and pointing out that that opens up the possibility of fraud, to say nothing of ballot harvesting, to say nothing of the illicit uh, practices that the Democrats engaged in, especially in Pennsylvania, back in 2020. And so to your point, the, the fact that they seem so complacent when they have weekend at Bernie's in the White House should should raise Republicans concerns, because uh, in an ordinary year, in an ordinary election with a candidate who can't pronounce his own name, uh, a party should be worried. And, and so the question is, do they think they can just push Biden across the finish line, whether he knows where he is or not? Or do the Democrats have a trick up their sleeve? And do they believe Joe Biden won't actually be the nominee in 24. It's so early on, any of those things are possible. Michael, thank you for uh, everything that you do and uh, the service you provide. I, you know, I love you and all of the people at Daily Wire. I'm so excited for your success, especially with this new translation. I mean, I don't know how, <laughs> how long it took to translate, but I'm so happy for you. Thanks, Michael. Thank you, Glenn, uh, for everything all you do, and especially for promoting uh, this important political treatise. Thank you. <laughs> Bye-bye. Michael Knowles from the Michael Knowles uh, program, author of the book Reasons to Vote for Democrats, now in Hungarian. Uh, all right. Our, our sponsor this half hour uh, is uh, Tuttle Twins. The Tuttle Twins... These this series of books is a series that you can give your kids, your grandkids. You can read it to them. It is American history. In fact, this is the second volume of their American history, uh, and it is so good. You your kids will understand not the dates and the names. That's not the important part. It is the ideas and the movements, what they were fighting for, what they were fighting against. This is the way you can learn from history. Otherwise, we will repeat them. It's the stories and ideas. Most textbooks don't te uh, teach any of this. The Tuttle Twins 
do. To celebrate the release of their new book, the Tuttle Twins are giving away a family vacation getaway to visit the historic sites all around Boston. To win, just go to TuttleTwinsBeck.com. There's no purchase necessary. See the site for details. You can order the book and get the entry information and official rules for the vacation getaway at TuttleTwinsBeck.com. Order the book now, TuttleTwinsBeck.com. This is the Glenn Beck Program. My gosh, Hillary Clinton was so right yesterday when she said you can thank the MAGA Republicans for these high temperatures uh, because this never happens in the summer. It just never happens in, uh, in Texas. No. no, it's unprecedented. It's what, 101? Yeah. One, one or two it's today. It's never been 101. High. No, it's, it doesn't happen. It's unprecedented. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Except for every year that I've lived well, in yeah. uh, Texas. Sure. I mean, there's the, that. Yeah. Other than that. There is that. Yeah. Sure. Sure. <laughs> People, uh, people up uh, in Idaho or uh, where I'm at now uh, are complaining that it's 91 with zero humidity, and I'm like, yeah, eh, yeah, that's nice. I could live in this all <laughs> yeah. the time. Yeah, especially when it cools down to about 60 degrees at night. I'm pretty good with it. Pretty good with it. Um, I don't know if you saw the. Uh, they're now telling us that the oceans are going to boil away. Mm-hmm. There's this new heating, and Pat talked about it in Australia, but it's it's happening all over the world. There is this weird heating of the ocean, mm-hmm. and you should be concerned because in a hundred years we won't have oceans. Everybody oh, no. will be dead. <laughs> yeah. They're saying that. Uh, off the coast of Florida, it's 101 degrees on in the ocean, and that's an all-time apparently world record. Um, it, so it's hotter than my pool, which only has 45,000 gallons. Really, is it? Is it 11 degrees hotter than my pool? That's kind of hard to believe. But if it is, I'm thinking that has well, more to do with volcanoes under the surface yeah. of the water than it well, does i want to tell you the ocean currents are starting to slow down the last time that happened uh-huh you know because we've been measuring forever right the last time that happened was twelve thousand eight hundred years ago oh, okay. and that put us right into an ice age yeah so wow the ice age is coming the ice age is coming unless it's global warming it's <laughs> we just Glenn know Beck it's going to change <laughs>